This episode of The Rise to the Top is brought to you with literally no interruption. Thanks to our sponsor, Go to My PC. You can access your Mac or PC from anywhere, including your iPad, including your iPhone, including your i whatever. Want to check it out free on me? All you have to do is head over to go to mypc.com, click the try it free button, and then you're going to have a little spot for a promo code. Enter the promo code RISE, and you get 45 days free on me. And now here's today's episode with Chris Carr. All right, welcome everyone to the Rise to the Top. I'm David Seitman Garland, joined by the amazing, always with a pink streak in her hair, Chris Carr today. This is the Rise to the Top. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the Rise to the Top. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. That was, that was probably my favorite intro ever. So the quick nutshell, the one sentence on people that I can't believe they haven't heard of you, but let's just pretend they, have, they haven't. Wellness activist, cancer thriver, love that word, uh, New York Times bestselling author, Crazy Sexy Life is like your big thing, and your newest book is Crazy Sexy Kitchen. Was that an amazing 10-second Cliff's Notes? You did it. You crushed it. All right. Very cool. So I thought it would be kind of fun today to kind of go through a lot of your sort of backstory in business specifically sure. because, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people see this brand that's sort of emerged, and they see like Chris Carr, everything she touches turns to like green gold, you know? So let's talk a little bit about where you got your start in business. Because I remember uh, reading a little bit that you were at one point a dancer, an actress, and a photographer somehow rolled up into one. Is that where you, really you got your, your start in the business world? Uh, what, where, did you, where, where did you start at? So really what that means is I was a hustler, right? <laughs> and a bartender, so let's not forget that. Um, yeah, when I first started, I, was, I started as a performer, so I was in, you know, in front of the camera. I did a lot of television commercials. I taught um, at NYU. I did a lot of stuff to get by. And I was an actress and a dancer. So, you know, you have a very diverse portfolio of what your jobs are. Sure. And the older I get, the more I want to control, quite honestly. Um, and around my 30th birthday, which was around a decade ago, I decided I wanted to have um, an experience behind the camera and I wanted to start producing and creating. And I'd always been a storyteller, but I'd been telling other people's stories, waiting for people to give me permission, meaning the job, to right. tell the stories. And, um, and that's when I started to slowly make my transition, which is when I, I you know, a few years before that, I opened my photography studio and I was shooting um, actors' headshots mostly since I had so many students and so many people who are friends and colleagues in the business, and I always loved photography, I started that, and, and I loved it so much, that's when I started filmmaking and, and dipping my toe into being a DP, and, and ultimately that's what led me making my first documentary, and then the rest was history after that. And we're gonna dive into this, we're gonna, I'm like, I'm like a bloodhound, we're gonna sniff all this stuff out, and, and what, what's, let's, let's talk about like kind of those, those creative aspects that you were doing, because it seems obviously you were a creative person, are you one of those people that when you were doing photography and eventually this leads to film and then books, are you just kind of like a person that sort of just figures it out as you go as opposed to doing some kind of formal training in it or anything like that? Like, is that sort of your consistent approach to this kind of stuff? It's like, all right, I'm just going to do it or where do you go? Yeah, I, everything I've done is, is figuring it out as you go and throwing yourself in. The, the only time I really got serious about training was when I started to study nutrition um, but everything before that was about, you know what, I have this idea. I don't know how to make a film, but why don't I just try and see? Why don't I get a camera? I borrowed a camera from a friend. I knew friends who were DPs. And, you know, I've got, I've got a great editor who said, how about a cutaway? How about something other than you? A little cutaway here and there? You know, so I learned in the trench and, and I got a lot of, you know, friends and, and favors. And 
I think that's the best way to go, quite honestly. I mean, when your ass is on the line, when you're starting your own business or you're doing a creative endeavor, you just you dial up your passion. And I think uh, certainly that's what worked for me. Yeah, very cool. So let's talk about that transition from uh, bartending, serving drinks, shooting headshots, uh, doing all that kind of stuff. And you're like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the path here. And this obviously had to do with a major life event that happened with you as well. It wasn't just like I think you woke up and you're like, oh, I'll do this. So talk about that like sort of transition because you mentioned like the business or like kind of the creative juices where you're like, I want to have control and be able to do this and kind of be my outlet and, and get to do it. But what actually prompted the spark for that shift into the kind of creator that we know you as now? Yeah. So, you know, when I was 31, so the year after I kind of said I want to have my own uh, my own life that's in, in my own control, in my hands, I want to be the driver of my destiny. Um, so a year, about a year after that, I was diagnosed with a rare cancer. And when I first found out about it, it was pretty grim, the prognosis. I was given about 10 years to live at the most. Um, and I was, it was suggested that I get a triple organ transplant. I have cancer in my liver and both of my lungs. And, and I had no idea what I was going to do. Less than 200 people are, are a year in the U.S. are diagnosed with the disease that I live with. And so um, I knew I had to change my life, and I knew I had to change it in a big way. And I started to shoot my journey, meaning I film my journey, because I didn't know what else to do. I was, I was obviously like throwing myself into research and throwing myself into different medical procedures that may or may not help me. And creativity has always been my healing solve. It's always been the thing that gets me through the darkness, you know, the hard times. And what was interesting for me at the time is I didn't expect this to be what it is now. Not at all. I did this for self-preservation first and foremost. I did this when I turned on the camera, I just needed somebody to talk to quite honestly. Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't know anybody with cancer. I didn't have it in my family. And also when I went out looking for books and looking for film to sort of learn how to cope, everything was geared toward a much older demographic. Right, right. right. And so there was nothing for me as somebody who was like hip and irreverent and still loved like martinis and bad yeah. men. A little bit of they sass, a little bit of sass going on, you know. sass -a -go, go right? There was no sass -a -go, go in the cancer movement. Um, and it was all pretty doom and gloom. And so, but I, I didn't think I wanted to change that right away. First, I just needed an outlet. And as it grew, as the film grew, I shot the film for four years and I met other four years. Wow. That's like, that's, that's a significant time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, that's when I realized I have a, an awesome story here and all the women in my film are magnificent. My journey is very different from other cancer patients. And I had been learning so much about, you know, nutrition and self-care and, and self-empowerment. Right. And, uh, and that's when I said, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to sell it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up selling it to Discovery Channel. And around the time that I actually got the deal, I realized people need platforms. Right, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so... Um, I knew that this would give me a platform. I didn't know how long it would last, but I knew it would give me some little smoke signal, a little puff of a platform. And so I decided to write a book to come out at the same time to sort of, you know, um, just tie in with the media that I was doing because there was a lot of advice and a lot of tips from the trench that I had as a patient that wasn't in the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it came, the, those two, it, it happened. I sold the film, I sold the book, and I had about six months to create them both, like finish them. And holy so, crap. That's a holy crap moment. That's like a, that's a like back against the wall pressure moment, but that's always usually a good way to get stuff done too. Yeah. That was definitely back against the wall. And then, you know, after about, then I was on Oprah. That's, and then. And that's it. Know. And then that's it. Thanks for doing this interview. And no, but, but seriously, <laughs> once we hit the, that's it. We're over. Thank you. There's nothing else to talk about. Um, but a couple like kind of specifics on that part of the story here. Um, number one is you mentioned that you were able to sell this to discovery in the sense of the, of the, of the uh, documentary. Um, uh, and you were a, which is crazy, sexy cancer. And then you were also able to sell crazy, sexy cancer tips. Okay. Yeah. You were yeah. new to this, uh, let's say, let's call it publishing world or whatever we want to call it. You know what I mean? A publishing business. And you figure this out, you're filming around. Someone's like, you need to do a different shot, figure this stuff all out. How did you go about selling these things? Were you just like networking your butt off? Was it luck of the draw? Like, like how did you end up even in front of these people? Because that's where I think people are going to get a little stuck on the story. It's like, oh, it is just like discovery just come magically calling with like fairies and dust and money or something like that. You know, no, they don't. They really don't. In fact, very few people wanted my film. You know, we pitched it to a lot of different networks and whatnot. And with the words crazy, sexy, and cancer together, it was like, are you insane? Nobody wants to hear this. Somebody wants to watch it. We don't want to hear about cancer, let alone, you know, try to uh, uh, change the stigma about it. And so I remember, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a, a night where you can go and show a clip to a bunch of reps a bunch of um, producers. And so we had cut a, a trailer. We had cut like an eight minute trailer, which you know is still out and about. And um, it got chosen to be one of the trailers shown. And then that's when we got our, a deal with some independent producers who then shocked it to discovery. Um, okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, so I, yeah, literally like I made the, the, the trailer and then I hoped to get chosen and I did get chosen. And then, my old acting agency also um, had a lit division, a newly acquired lit division. And so when I realized that I wanted to write a book, which, by the way, I was an English major, but that doesn't mean anything <laughs> because I really didn't do my homework. <laughs> um, but I have been writing my whole life. I've been writing journals my whole life. I've been writing stories, short stories. Um, I've always loved writing, but it was sort of like my closet love because I never thought I was very good at it. Okay. Uh, I was sort of, you know, I was insecure around writing, but I thought, you know what, if you've gotten this far and you've got, you've got cancer first and foremost, and you're kicking ass, like there's really nothing that you should be terrified about. You know, you, you've been through the worst. Selling a book is not terrifying. Right. That's not terrible. Yeah. Right. So I went into my acting agency and they introduced me to a lit agent there. And, um, and because Discovery Channel had already signed on, it was easier to sell the book, but it, it still took a lot of work. A lot of people turned it down. And, um, and then one person said yes, and that's all it takes, right? Right. No, no. I mean, it's crazy. And I want to ask about uh, a couple questions on there. Well, one is actually that just popped in my head, which I definitely need to ask anyway. I think you've talked about this before, but too bad, is, uh, is the actual name itself. Um, which, which of kind of the brand, which is cra you know, crazy, sexy life, I guess is what we call it overall, or just crazy, sexy, whatever we want to go with it. Um, was there, was there kind of a moment where you were like, 
oh my God, it's perfect. Or like you're in the shower and you're like, perfect, I got it and wrote it down. Like, was there, was there that kind of moment with this brand? Because it, it, again, and you know this, the, the brand is just a badass name for everything. Thank you. You know, it's a couple things. And by the way, this is such a great interview. Nobody, nobody ever asked me these questions. They asked me like how to poop and you know, what juicer to buy. Well, we, haven't, we haven't finished yet. Don't say this yet because the, the second <laughs> section is all on pooping. So that's no, no big deal. <laughs> But anyway, I'm having tons of fun, so I just want to tell you that. Um, crazy Sexy started with mass emails that I would send to family and friends. So they were Crazy Sexy Cancer updates, and that was my way of letting everybody know all at once, mm -hmm. here's what's going on with me. And then um, much later, I decided to really define what crazy and sexy meant. And, and the overall brand changes from cancer to diet to kitchen. You know, my, my company name is Crazy Sexy Wellness. Um, that's what's on our credit cards so people don't think that I direct porn or something like that. You that's know? It's, a great point. Yes, that's definitely where I was going with that. It's yeah. tricky when you're at Home Depot, right? Right. And, and then they look up and they're uncomfortable, right? Um, so crazy and sexy for me, crazy is out of the box forward thinking. It's that type of speak when somebody says, oh, that'll never happen. That's crazy, right? And we say, really, watch us. Watch us do that <laughs> um, <laughs> and get out of our way. <laughs> and sexy is just empowering. Uh, it's whole. It's empowering. It's full-on life force. And and those those two things have gotten me through everything, whether it was you know getting diagnosed or starting a business, which is as scary in some ways. Um, and uh, and they will continue. Very cool. I mean, it's really it really is an awesome name. And and I want to ask you know everyone that goes on these journeys, and I mean that just not only personally, but also as you keep doing and evolving like different things. Here we go to this, and we got crazy, you know, sexy cancer survivor, crazy sexy diet, crazy sexy kitchen. What I've always learned, and I always find the most interesting things talking to people is what they kind of learn from each experience and then apply to sort of the next one. You know what I mean? Like, I love this. I hated this. I learned this about myself. Do you know what I mean? And so from starting with the film, and then I want to ask about that first book, what were yeah. some like insights that you learned about that? Like where afterwards were you like, God, I love the film industry. Yeah, I hate it. I never want to do it. You know what I mean? Like what, what, what were some of the kind of lessons that you learned that you could then apply to the next things you did? Gosh, I mean, that film was just all about blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work, and just, you know, white-knuckling it, because I didn't have any money, and I kept putting everything on credit cards until Discovery came in and gave me the finishing funds. I did get one grant, and that was helpful. Um, I think the thing about filmmaking is you really have to have a strong point of view, and, um, and be willing to be vulnerable, be willing, especially a personal story where you're sharing your experience and cameras are following, following you, you know, how far are you willing to go? And, um, I think there are parts of the film that I, I love, I haven't seen the film in quite some time, actually. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hard I, to go back and look at your own work, especially when it's, you know, years ago yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there are parts of the film where I think I could have, uh, you know, maybe now that I'm a little more guarded in some ways, although I'm not because I put my ass out on the line and, and, you know, share my personal stories all the time. There's some parts where I probably would go, ooh, too much sharing. <laughs> you know? um, TMI, TMI. TMI, Chris, take it down a notch. Um, but I actually, that's how I, well, not met, but sort of met my husband. You know, he was the editor and one of the DPs on the, the film. And so that was something that came out of it that I did not expect, you know. A uh, husband. A f I went to make a film and all I got was this husband. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, exactly. I got a husband. 
ladies, if you want a husband, you know what to do. All you have to do is start a documentary. It's no problem. Be better. Um, so as far and then as far as the book goes, you know, every book is a different animal. And I've done, I've written four books now, and well, five if you count a, a book that I self-published. Um, and it's interesting to see my voice change just from the author's perspective. It's interesting to see me get more grounded and more mature. And, you know, some of the things that I wrote in Crazy Sexy Cancer Tips, I probably would tone down a little bit. And other things were so ripped and raw and fabulous because I was in that space of not knowing what I was doing. Just like, just heart on the sleeves. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So... I, I, don't, I really don't go back and read my stuff because I have a hard time. Like I don't watch any of the media. I think I've seen the Oprah episode once. Um, I, I, I have a hard time watching myself or like looking at what I've created. I'm always in the sort of forward motion. Uh, like what's coming, like what's coming next? Like what's the next thing to keep you going as opposed to going backward and kind of studying that kind of stuff, huh? Yeah, I, exactly. Uh, that's, that's, how I work, at least. Very cool. I like that a lot. I mean, that's I, I'm, I'm actually the same way, by the way. Just like, you know, I don't like to go back and I look back, I feel weird. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so a question also, it seems that then you kind of, you like you said, you were always a writer, you know, always writing things. And it seems like that's the direction then you really focused on uh, from that first book then moving forward was this writing. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, let's see, for la I'm trying to put this, I don't, I'm never politically correct anyway, but a lot of people, the first experience with a publisher and their book kind of sucks ass. Um, so I, I'm sorry, there's no other way of saying it. Like, like some it's not, some it isn't. Some people are like, go in and they're very confident. They're like, I'm going to sell 10 zillion copies and they sell like nine. You know what I mean? And some people go in and, you know, I mean nine, not nine zillion. They sell nine copies. Um, you know, some people have good, some people have bad. The book industry could be a turn on, turn off. It depends on the people. So from the business perspective, like your first book, did quite well, you know, correct, correct. I mean, did it, or did it? It's interesting because everything has changed so much since I published my first book. Um, like there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter. We really didn't have the opportunity as authors to, to create the kind of platforms that we can create now. And um, so I think the first book was a great springboard. It was interesting because I did a lot of national media with the first book I was on Today Show. Um, I was on, uh, you know, Access Hollywood. I was on, obviously, Oprah. And there was a lot of media at the time, and it didn't make it to the to the bestseller list. Um, Interesting. And I actually really didn't know much about how to promote or market a book. And I really did think, well, you write it, and then the unicorns. Right. They carry it to the world, including the bestseller list. Right. It's the world. You don't have to do anything except go on the shows and, you know, inspire people. And boy, is that the first thing from the truth, you know, like when I, I sign on to a project now, you know, I really had to look at my calendar and say, you know, for the next two years, can I put this out there? Because as soon as I hand it in is when we start building the marketing campaign for it. So, um, so it's very different now. It's very, very different for me now, getting uh, books now. Um, and I, and I love the challenge. I love writing. I love traditional publishing. I know everybody's got their own experience and a lot of authors, you know, um, are trying new things and I just love the good old fashioned book and I'm really happy to still be in that publishing world. 
Very cool. And is your is your process? What's your process like? I'm always curious about this for for writing. Uh, every everyone's a little bit different with it. Um, you know, now that you've done you know five books, including you said yourself published one. Um, have you evolved like in your process, or is it consi- like what do you do? Like I'm always curious about you know do you have like special Chris time where we sit down and we're just gonna write for you know two hours and you know no one's gonna bother me, or do you you know what's what's sort of your creative? Do you write it all and then? You know, do you write too much and try to edit it back? Do you do you write too little and add more? I mean, everyone's got a different process. I'm curious what yours is. Well, you know, it's painful. I won't say that I totally love the process. You know, it's, there's a lot of torture involved. And um, for me, the beginning is always the, the, the roughest. The beginning is rough and the end is rough because by the time it's really over, it's not over. There's so many edits to do. And I, I'm, I work very closely with the design and the photography um, of all my books. So that's a whole other portion of it. Um, I try to put some time aside. Definitely. I'm really good in the morning. I'd say I probably start writing around 6am and I'll try to get six to noon in. Oh but wow. I'll- that's a big chunk. That's a, that's a, that's a large chunk, my friend. Yeah. I mean, I'll get up and make, you know, I'll walk around and do my thing and stuff like that. I get a lot done when I'm actually taking hikes. Um, and I always carry my recorder and paper and, and whatnot, but I also run my business. So it's a lot harder now to actually get those long stretches of, of work in, um, because you know, my company needs me too. So it's not like I can just disappear. Um, but once I get the structure down, meaning like the, the most important thing to me is the table of contents, because that's my map. You know, as soon as I get my TOC down, then I know I almost look at each chapter like buckets, you know, and whenever I'm stuck, I just go to another bucket, you know, right, and I've cool. that bucket and then I go back. So you like um, to do the table of contents first, though, before you kind of approach it? Oh, yeah. My, I gotta have, those are like my tent poles. And, um, and I also tend to write in the beginning, I would go in order. And now I tend to write the last chap, the first chapter last. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. First chapter, that's that's a fun fact with Chris Carr. We have fun facts today. Now we were, we were connected, and this this just reminded me. So we were connected by by uh, the the one and only, the very lovely, the very sassy Marie Forleo, um, who's a, a mutual friend of ours uh, and a great friend of yours. And I saw an interview with her recently when you talked about uh, sort of the business a little bit, and, and you just mentioned that because you're like, you know, I'm doing all this, but I got the business and I got all this kind of stuff. When you started, uh, you know, crazy sexy wellness, if you will. It was very much a, like you said, it was it was like a uh, kind of a legacy and a, a mission and these different things. And not that that's been lost; it certainly has. It's only grown, but now it's become much more of a business. And in that interview with Marie, you said 2008 ish, it really started becoming more of a business. What was the shift then? And like, what what what, what do you mean by it became more of a business in 2008? Well, it needed to become more of a business, honestly, because I didn't have the money to grow, you know, and I had huge demand um, from a growing platform of readers to, you know, a lot of different opportunities. I was, um, it wasn't eight, but not long after that, I had a pilot with Oprah Winfrey Network, which didn't go anywhere. But, you know, there were a lot of things that were circling around me and I needed help. And so I was sort of living on credit cards again and using my, uh, my uh, savings. And I knew that something had to give. Like we either had to find a way to make this profitable or I had to shrink and just, just be an author and not have a team and not um, be able to meet the expectations that I felt were all around me in a lot of ways. And so uh, that's around the time where I really started studying marketing 
And I, I, I took my passion for nutrition <laughs> and I turned it into marketing. You know, I saw so many great people like Marie and other people in the industry doing wonderful things and get, and, and growing their platforms and, and giving readers exactly what they wanted and also sustaining themselves and, and their businesses. And I thought, look, I've done all of this and this is the piece I don't have, right? You know, I've got the agents, I've got the managers, right. I've got... You had the stuff. exposure, you had the platform, you just yeah. didn't have the, okay, how can we wrap this, tie this into a bow where we're making a significant amount of money, but not losing the mission or doing anything weird. <laughs> we don't want to do anything sketchy, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so let's, we're going to dive into this. This is, I'm, I need to do like a happy clap here because this is, this is the, I think for me, the very fun part of where you kind of blend the creativity and the story and all the cool stuff and then let's make some bling bling here you know in a good way so um and i'm going to link up everything below because your brand is really really super sharp on the site so you have this audience building and you make it seems that in this point there was a shift from sort of um and this is going to probably sound not pc at all but let's just call it cancer talk if you will to more <laughs> diet healthy lifestyle kitchen green living type no, i don't know whatever it is. I, i'm not good with the words you know what it is i don't um, is, 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 so tell us, like you mentioned that you, you wanted help. You needed some help. You're trying to figure this out. Did you go to specific people? Did you stand on a street corner with a sign and say, need marketing help? Like, like how did you start to evolve that business model and where did you go with it? Like, how did you decide you were going to make money that you felt comfortable with? Well, there's a couple of ways, you know, I was still and still am one foot in the traditional world. So, you know, I, around the time where I opened the brand and the brand, was opening on itself because what happened was a, a lot of people were hearing about me and following my work and my writing and my blog and, and whatnot. And then it was around 2008, I think, when people, I got this overwhelming sense that it wasn't just cancer patients who were following me. And so I would get stuff like, you know, I don't have cancer, and but I think the way you're eating, drinking, thinking, living is so fucking awesome. Is it okay if I follow you or is that weird? You know? And so we, I thought, this is really, if I'm, I'm going to make a dent, which is what I've always wanted to do is move the needle. If I'm going to move the needle um, and wake people up, I really need to get people before they get into the system, right? Before they, whatever their shit pickle is, before it happens, that's what, when we got to grab them, right? Right. And so that's around the time that the brand started to open up. Um, and it's so funny even calling it a brand, but I'm getting used to that. Um, and again, I was still doing traditional things. So all of the income that I was making was coming from the TV show or right. another deal or, or an, yeah, an advance on a book or, uh, maybe a speaking gig or something like that. But it was basically gigs. in many cases, dollars for hours in that case. And then also kind of, um, I guess would be sporadic. Yeah. I mean, my speaking gigs were always pretty regular, um, definitely around that time. But so everything I was making for me, for my personal appearances and my personal work was going to pay the business, okay. going to pay, pay my employees, going to keep the lights on. So I actually didn't take a paycheck for a long time. I think last year was the first time. Last actually, year, and you were living off savings and other stuff like that from the previous yeah, stuff? Yeah, we just take draws. It was just enough to cover our expenses, but we weren't, we weren't really growing. We weren't, we weren't abundant. Um, but again, it was like I on the prize, and the prize was to build a company that was sustainable. And, and so anyway, I knew to your point that I couldn't keep up the schedule. Like I couldn't be on a plane every weekend. There's no way I could get a personal appearance. The only way I can get paid, 
you know, or me sitting with my butt in the chair for months and months on end, which is the only way to get paid. There's no way for me to build a business when it's just me doing the work. Right. That makes sense. So that's around the time where we started to, um, to really look at some of the people out there in marketing, you know, like look and see what people were up to. And I just really started by subscribing to everybody's newsletter, you know, just like so many of your readers do. You just start to realize who's friends of friends and what they're saying, who they're turning you on to and, and what products are they putting out? And I had no idea that I could actually put out my own stuff directly to the consumer that I didn't need the middleman, you know? Cause you were, like you said, you were kind of in that traditional, more mindset. Absolutely. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just that you're in the kind of like, hey, let's get the book, do the big media appearances, do the big speaking, that type of thing. Right. So when that started to happen, that's when we really said, wow, we, we have a business here because we had grown such a strong reader base and people were also really, they were hungry. They didn't want to wait a full year or two years or three years between the next crazy, sexy product. You know, they wanted it now. And um, one of the things that I really try to do is keep our price points down so that a bigger swath of people can afford whatever I put out. Good word. Well. Good word. Uh, yeah. So, so when you, when you, so you, I understand, I totally understand the mindset shift that you went through. I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people get into that shift, you know, of some kind or another. And, and, and by the way, the whole time you've been building this platform, you're building quite a blog following and newsletter following and all that kind of stuff along with it, of course. Now, so what did you decide to do? Um, what was kind of that first, uh, because that, that's what I'm super interested in is kind of tracing your business model here to learn where you've gone to now, all the way up to Crazy Sexy Kitchen, um, is what did you decide was going to be the first thing that you were going to either offer or do or, or kind of go to your community directly with? So I made two business choices at the same time. One, I, I left my old agency and after, New York, after Crazy Sexy Diet made it to the New York Times bestseller list. I actually waited a little while and everybody was pushing me to get that next book deal, get it, strike while the iron's hot, the window is closing. And I was like, ain't no way the window's closing. Mm -hmm. The window is perpetually open for me. So I'm going to wait until I know it is what it is that I exactly want to do. And it took me about a year to figure out what book I wanted to write. And when I think about books, I think about them in bundles, right? I don't just think, here's my next book. I think about the next three, four, five years. Oh, interesting. Smart. And how do they fit, right? How do they fit in my story um, and where I will want to be, actually, because you're married to this. It's a relationship. So, so I waited about a year, and then I signed a two-book deal um, with a new publishing company, and I also left and signed with a new agent. And so... I had one foot in the traditional, I know where my money is coming from, right? And then the other foot was um, in self-publishing. So the first product that we did was an e-guide and it was basically the idea of it came from surveying about 2,500 people in our community, okay. you know, what it is that they wanted. And the number one thing that they wanted to learn more about was the book that we created and uh, we sold it for $20 and sold thousands and thousands of copies. And, and that was the, I was like, Oh, okay. So I can get this to them in half the time. They can get it immediately, you know, and, and it inspired me. And it also gave me the opportunity to actually build my team. Um, so between those two things, and then also, you know, we, we have affiliates and, and things like that. Um, that's when we really started to rock. And I think we started to rock really just in the last year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing show. By the way, there's nothing more exciting than that moment because I remember that too because I had a traditional book and then when I came out with a digital product and I was like, you know, not that I didn't like the book. I love the book, but I'm saying like, there's like that moment where you're like, that just happened. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, you're like, you're like, you mean I just said it directly and then they bought it and that, and I'm not getting $2 or five cents or something. You know what I mean? You know, you're like, there's that amazing moment. Once you went through that shift, and, I, and by the way, brilliant takeaway there for folks that have a community and things like that, which a lot of people do that are watching, is surveying and asking what they want because sometimes you don't know, you know, and just saying, hey, what do you want? You know what I mean? And, and, and people will tell you, trust me, they will tell you, um, and you'll probably hear more than you ever wanted to hear But um, <laughs> it is uh, <laughs> from people. But you, so you do this ebook and you're like, holy crap, I can totally create my parallel universe here of the traditional and then tie this in with more digital ish yeah. products so you do the ebook and then where have you gone since that when was the ebook by the way that was less than a year ago okay so less than a year ago i mean because this really is you've really capitalized on that i mean that in a positive yeah. like from a business perspective big time even more in this last year what so then you're like okay now what am i going to do the ebook had success you've got the new book and now you're moving towards this kind of crazy sexy kitchen did you start doing courses, memberships, anything else that you added on to the kind of digital empire? You know, membership is something that we've always thought about, but it's actually not something I want to wrangle because I have a community with, I think, you know, we're up to like 30 or 40,000 people that are a member of the community and they get so much out of the community. And I just, I could, debated whether or not I would make it a paid community. And I've decided to keep it open cool. and free. Cool. cool. Um, just, but that's me. I mean, I know, it works for some people, but it's, it's a lot of work and I, I don't know. It's, and we don't really feel strongly about it. Um, where we're going now is, you know, I have another book to write. Um, but we have a few, we have one more, uh, digital ebook, um, e-guide. I don't like to call it a book because when you call it a book, you really can't charge that much, you know? Oh, and, I, I tell you, and the words we use definitely matter in that kind of stuff for sure. So we, we like our price point. It's $20. We feel as though it's very affordable, a lot of time and energy and research and, you know, design go into it. And so um, we have another guide that's scheduled to come out probably in September, October. Um, and then we have our first digital program that comes out in um, probably about May or June, um, depending on where we are, which is like building the infrastructure of how we're going to bring it out into the world. So we've got two crazy sexy wellness products coming out next year and that's really all we can afford to do as far as you know just time and 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 resources but really it's just about i love putting great quality stuff out there and every product i put out i raise my own bar and so with that and and promoting just a handful of affiliates that's our in-house stuff but um and then you know the next book will start uh, amen on that, by the way, because I think too many, sometimes people get trapped in that whole, let's create a lot of stuff. Do you know what I mean? And when you do a lot of stuff, number one, I've noticed it gets very, very overwhelming. Like, meaning like you've now you've got like, let's just say that membership side, just as an example. Some people love it. Some people don't. People do different things, but you just know that's not right for you. You're like, I'm not going to, I'm going to spend all the time. I want to spend the same amount of time on something else. I can create something amazing that I feel happy about. Why not? And it seems that you're focusing more on quality and and awesome stuff as opposed to just, hey, here's quantity of a bunch of stuff to sell. Is that is that obviously fair to say? It's totally fair to say, and I think you put, you really point out something solid. And what I don't want is I never want to water down my message or water down you know the quality of the content. And 
I put so much of my own energy and love into each product. Um, and it's got to be something that I personally would want. You know, we all have a million PDFs on our desktops. You know, what is, what's going to be the, the product that cuts through the noise? And, um, and also, you know, I've, I've had to have conversations with myself as how big do you want this business to get? And the truth is, is that I also need quality of life and balance and I need to feel great and, and have a business that makes me happy as opposed to something that I'm shackled to. Mm-hmm. So if we did too many other products in the next year, there's no free time. There's no vacations. There's no, and certainly my team gets really fried out. So um, we like to be tur- like a turtle, like turtle power, you know, a herd of so- turtles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we love to grow our audience authentically, you know, um, and I think that's what will serve us in the long run and ultimately make us the most happy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It was it reminds me of actually recently I was talking to um, Allie Brown and, and Allie was saying that she's recently done a huge scale back in her business <laughs> for that very reason, because a lot of times what ends up happening is you have success and then yeah. you're like throw all these different things and then your business has become the monstrosity as opposed to like a freedom happy creator. It's become the monstrosity. And she was saying like she cut this and this and this and this and this and this to kind of get back to a core two to three things that she can really dominate at. And I was sitting there like, oh my God, you're right on because too many people I think they see and then they just kind of go and it just gets too big. And the next thing you know, they don't see their husband. They don't see their kids. They don't see their, they don't have any free time. They have no, they can't even go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? It's like, it becomes real awkward and you know, we don't want that. So when you're examining last couple questions here, when you're looking at a project, like some of the ones you mentioned for next year already, you already got your game plan down, you know, um, how do you sort of go about that evaluation process? Like, do you, do you sit there and say, okay, you know, does it have to fit a certain criteria? Do you do it on your own? Do you bring your team in? Like, what's your sort of process to come up with something and finally decide, okay, we're going to move forward with this and we're going to do it this way? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm looking at the calendar. I have this big board above my desk and it's 12, 13, and 14. And so those are mapped out. Those are all mapped out. That's those are all impressive. Done. Yeah. And, but it can be impressive if you don't have too much going. Like, you know, we're, again, we're a small team, but we, 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 uh, we punch more than our weight class, shall we say, you know, um, for me, it's always about the readers. So as I said, we did those surveys and, um, I got our next catalog of products for 13 and 14 from the surveys, you know, from understanding what their number one questions are, or what are they always asking me on the blog? What do they need? What do these women need to feel better about themselves and to feel more confident in their lives and with their daily choices of products they're going to buy and, you know, food they're going to make and what they're going to put on their skin. Like, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there. And so what I think crazy, this crazy, sexy brand, what our attempt has been is to sort of be the good housekeeping seal of improvement mm. for, you know, the kind of lifestyle that I teach. Um, and so taking that all into consideration, we're able to sort of map out what our plan is and, and what, what we want to bring to the world. Keeping in mind that I also have one other book to write, you know, and we'll probably do a few small products with my publishing company, um, smaller things that won't, you know, take a little too much energy. Right. Um, so, and also the, the traditional product that comes out, you know, my next book, which is called crazy sexy woman. Oh, spoiler um, alert. I didn't know. I don't know if that was, that could be a breaking news. I don't know. That is breaking news. Yeah. You got it. You got the next, you have, you know that before anybody else. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> 
when I see that coming out probably in 14 or 15, all of the, the work around, you know, the programs around that time will support that product. So how can I create things that support other things um, that I've already created that's or, that are already in the stable that could use a little more energy? Yeah, um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, and and it's amazing your strategy here of kind of like how you've mapped this out. Uh, would you point that as one of the keys to success? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are building stuff have some, let's just call it strategic issues, if you will. Um, do, you, do you point that as one of your keys to success? So you're, you're able to sit there and map out a couple years in advance as being a way that one of the reasons that you're successful? You know, the number one reason why we um, have done so well this year is because I stopped listening to what other people said I should be doing. A lot of people were, and very good um, meaning people wanted to give me advice or become investors or tell me how I should take my business and sort of looked at me as the artist and as the, in, in the inspirational woman who's out there, you know, trying to change the world and, but never really saw me as a business person. And I didn't see myself as a business person either. So I was really drawn and quartered with all of these well-meaning people who came into my life who told me, this is how I think you should build your business and this is how much I want of your business, right? And I had these plans in place and I had been doing my homework and I had all of this information in front of me. I could have pulled the trigger on it a year ago. I just didn't have the confidence. I kept thinking, well, they must know more than I do because they've built multi, multi-million dollar businesses and they see me with all this potential. Maybe I should just listen to them. And then Finally, I just said, the only person you should listen to is yourself. You know what to do. Just stop the noise and stop all of the meetings and stop all of the lunches. Like every time you have lunch with somebody, you're wasting time. Roll up your sleeves and start writing your darn programs. You know what I mean? Oh, I totally get it. They didn't know who they were dealing with. But I didn't know who I was dealing with either. I didn't know that I could do it. Um, and then, so... Yes. Does mapping it out help? Absolutely. Because it's a roadmap. I mean, you can get all the noise out of the way and actually sit your butt down and start creating and you know where you're going and you have a couple of things on your calendar as opposed to, you know, I'm going to throw out 10 products in the new year and totally water my brand down. Um, then I think, I mean, that's been my experience. It's, and and it's, it, the success that I've seen from it tells me I'm in the right direction. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So final stuff. And then we're going to talk about the book for one second. This is what I call the bonus speed round. Okay. Bonus speed round here is a combination of questions that came in and my own nosiness. Um, and it's just super little quick things that you have to go top of brain on. Okay. Top of brain. Okay. Deep breath. Stretch it out. Don't want to pull anything during this round. We've had some injuries. Um, okay. So number one question is your number one piece of advice for aspiring authors. Number one piece of advice. Oh, gosh. Yes, I have it. Never try to become something that you're not. People want you. They want your voice. They want your wisdom and your insight. Even if you're talking about things that have been said before, because everything has been said before, trust your own voice more than anything else. That's how you're going to get people to follow you. That's how they're going to, you're going to get people to buy your products and your book. All right. Very cool. All right. Uh, best advice on business you've ever received? Oh, I mean, probably what I was saying to you earlier, which is, you know, stop looking, stop complaining, stop taking lunches and meetings and just sit down and make your plan and then actually do it. Yeah, critical. All right. Uh, best book you've read in the last year? That's not your own. <laughs> um, there's a couple books that I 
um, one that I'm loving right now is um, Renee Brown's Daring Greatly. Okay. Loving cool. that. And I'm a huge fan of Tara Brock, and she has a book called Radical Acceptance. Love. Radical Acceptance. This, see, this is, by the way, one of my cheap ways of finding out uh, new books to read. So, uh, so, and in my audience as well, we we take this we take this stuff uh, very seriously. Uh, guilty pleasure that very few people know about. Oh, I love violent movies. Specific violent movies. Yes, I'm a you know a vegan animal rights activist, you know pacifist, peace loving, prevention rocks cheerleader, and I love just like CIA, CIA shoot 'em up crime. I just watched Savages the other night, the new Oliver Stone movie, which has got the most violent torture scenes, and I. Something's wrong with me. That there, there probably is. I will just say that, that there might be. Um, and let's see. Final one here is, uh, let's see, your greatest accomplishment in business to date if someone were, were to actually nail you down and make you say it in one sentence. Oh, God, that's a rough one. Um, my greatest accomplishment in business to date. I, I don't really know. I don't know how to answer that one. I mean, uh this is going to be lame. I, I think just growing my, just growing is, is enough accomplishment for me just because what I believe in, what I teach means so much to me that the idea that more people are hearing about it and, and, and also acting on it just makes me feel very successful no matter what the numbers are. All right. Very cool. By the way, we, you just have to answer them. They don't have to be, they don't have to be, uh, you know, perfect answer. So it's perfect. All right. So awesome. So let's wrap with this, Chris. First of all, this has been awesome today. I mean, I'm like on the edge of the seat here. This has been fantastic. New book is out. I was going to hold it up, but I told you this before I went downstairs because the guy said I had a package and it was all closed for my wife. So, uh, so let's talk about it. Crazy, sexy kitchen. What's going to be going on? We're going to link it, of course, up below. Um, what can we expect out of the book? And this is your shameless plug moment, Chris. So uh, whatever you want to tell us about it. What you can expect is mouth-watering, foodie-tastic, plant-empowered, plant-passionate recipes. So we have a ton of recipes, over 150. I am teamed up with a really talented executive chef at Whole Foods, and we created these recipes together. And he's just such a genius. Um, this is a kind of an extenuation of crazy, sexy diet. I talk about a way of living and philosophy in there and didn't have a lot of recipes. Um, and this is, these are all the recipes. But, but I also break my own rules. And with these recipes, they're a little more decadent and um, I think will attract a wider audience. So Crazy Sexy Kitchen is out now. Um, and we've got some really great giveaways. And this is one of the things that's been really exciting for me, um, just from a marketing perspective, is how I can and I can up my game and, and raise the bar each time with my giveaways. And yep. so um, we we have been doing so well with our pre-sales campaign, and obviously now the book is out um, because I gave away free cooking classes. We we shot lots and lots of cooking classes over an hour and a half of footage at Whole Foods Culinary Center in New York. That's a great idea, by the way. Just in general, fantastic idea to go with the cook. I mean, it sounds logical, but I mean, you know, it's a great idea. Thanks. So people have been loving them and they've been learning some great tricks um, and tips that you could really only learn from a professional chef. Um, even, you know, I'm a cook and I love cooking, but Chad totally blew my mind. And then um, I love supporting bookstores as well. As I said, I am still a fan of the traditional model. I know it's changing, but I love holding this and I love the fact that, you know, I'm working with a publisher that I adore. And so one of the, the, the free thank yous that we designed was this three part um, salon series with dinner with Chris that I'll be live streaming from my home in Woodstock. And 
I'm really passionate about talking about issues, whether they are issues that have to do with food policy, the environment, um, prevention. And so our guests are top of the line. Um, we've got two serious policymakers from the Environmental Working Group coming for the first dinner with Chris. And how you get these unbelievable experiences that you can ask questions um, and, you know, be a part of, uh, of our audience through live stream is just to buy the book in the bookstore. Okay. So you buy the book and then what do you do with it? Then you go to chriscar.com. All right. And you just type in your little receipt number. Um, and then you get this unbelievable experience with this salon series. Or if you want the cooking classes, and you can buy the book online. And that's your online thank you. Cool. Um, for buying the book. And so what's been great is seeing the social media Twittersphere just light up with how good the book is. And now people are starting to get it. And I'm like, oh, they like it. They really like yeah. it. <laughs> it's always a little terrifying before the book comes out. You're like, I like it's like it. A ba- it's a baby. It's a baby. It is a baby. And then, and then just seeing the, the, the gratitude for um, our thank yous uh, has been really great. All right, very cool. So I will link up all that stuff below. And by the way, uh, of many things that you'll notice on Chris's site, her copy is unbelievably hilarious, which I, I enjoy. I remember looking at this and they said, you know, uh, it was like FAQs about the dinner with Chris, you know, and it was like, is it so it's basically just gonna be me watching you eat on camera? And you're like, no, it's an interactive <laughs> session. And da 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 da. I just love how you point that out because I could totally see that person saying <laughs> they're saying that. So, so um, awesome stuff, Chris. This has been super awesome tastic today. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, sharing some stuff, giving mm-hmm. us some spoiler alerts. I just, you know, I, I'm like the bloodhound. I sniff it out of you. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it was a lot of fun. So thank you again. Thank you. All right. This was Chris Carr on The Rise to Top. All that stuff is linked up below. Remember, if you want interviews like this to your email, go to therisetop.com slash VIP. Sign up for free. I will see you next time. I'm David Seitman Garland. And remember, if you want some fluff, you know what to do. Go pet a bunny. And one more quick reminder, this episode was brought with literally no interruption or shenanigans by Go to My PC. Make sure to check out, grab that free trial, and you can access your Mac or PC from anywhere. iPads, iPhones, other computers, laptops, whatever. Head over to go to mypc.com, click the try it free button. You're gonna see this little spot, put in a promo code, put in a promo code RISE, and you get 45 days free on me.